We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Duco. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Also, shout out to all our subscribers on YouTube. Uh, Seahawks Man to Man. That is the number two man on YouTube. Over 2,000 subscribers. Shout out to all you guys. Uh, hit that button if you're not a subscriber. Please do. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right. Uh, double shout outs uh, here before we bring in our special guest for this midweek episode. Shout out to everyone again who attended our live podcast at the Roanoke in Seattle uh, on Friday. Uh, that was an amazing time. On behalf of myself and Chris, thank you guys so much. We'd love to do another one of those. If we do, we'll keep you guys posted. Uh, second shout out to our previous guest on our recap episode, the homie Ben Baller, who hosted us uh, at his fancy smancy uh, location after the game, after Seahawks Broncos. That was very fun. Shout out to Ben. Make sure you guys check out that episode. Uh, as well. Um, like I said, this is our midweek episode where we talk to someone who covers the uh, Seahawks upcoming opponent. And I think coming in at what's probably Chris second place for uh, most podcast appearances, uh, I'm pretty sure based on how often the Seahawks play the 49ers, we have the homie Matt Barrows on the line. Matt, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me uh, again. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what number of podcast is this for me? I feel like we're double digits probably by now, right? Maybe. It's been quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> Feels yeah, like it. Feels like By the nature <laughs> of the division, I believe you and Jordan Rodriguez, shout out to Jordan, who covers the Rams, uh, lead the way uh, with our podcast appearance. I think Ben Baldwin uh, as well is in there. I think you guys are top three for all different reasons. You guys all bring uh, a different flavor. Um, so uh, you just covered 49ers, uh, Bears uh, this past Sunday. Did you bring a rain jacket to Chicago with you? I did not. I mean, they were calling for it was one of those things where uh, the forecast was saying, uh, you know, 60 percent one day, 90 percent the next, 40 uh, percent the next. So it was all over the map. So I figured it was going to be um, just a little bit. And it was a real deluge uh, right before the game and then during the game in the fourth quarter. I don't know if uh, your listeners were watching it, but uh, anything that fell in the fourth quarter just stayed on the ground. And by the end, 
um, the TV broadcast was having such trouble with it because uh, it was all it was all moisture. It was all water on the field that it was reflecting and um, you couldn't see the white lines. And so they had right. to uh, interlay black yardage lines in order for anybody to see on, on TV. It was like watching a, a game in the 1940s or something like that. It was, uh, it was a throwback in a lot of bad ways, uh, including for the 49ers. Yeah, I think that that was also an advertisement for getting some of these uh, NFC North teams, making sure every NFC North team plays in a dome. Um, That's right. I, I think, yeah, I think uh, Chicago should. Minnesota already does. Detroit already does. Yeah, I think it's about time for Green Bay and uh, Chicago to follow suit. Was that was that game, uh, Matt, in Chicago very at all similar to? I feel like they had another monsoon game the Niners did maybe a couple of years ago, the Super Bowl year in like Washington or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, kind of same circumstance where um, just a, a field that doesn't drain very well, so you have all this kind of uh, pooling water on it, and it just uh, makes for an old timey style of game. That game was nine nothing 49ers. Um, it, this game was just as, as messy. The the Bears uh, kicker missed two extra points. I mean, it was uh, just bad conditions. And the 49ers played a, a really uh, rainy game last year in Levi's, basically the only day that it rained uh, heavily in the Bay Area all of last year against the Colts uh, on, um, on national television. They lost that one, too. So rain is their bugaboo. And guess what? They've got a 40 percent chance of rain on Sunday right now. <laughs> That's probably going to change. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, it, it hasn't rained here in a long time and it would be, um, fitting, uh, maybe ironic if it, uh, rained when the Seattle Seahawks are coming down. Chris, where should we, should you think we should start with Trey Lance or should we start with Jimmy G? We should go with the guy, you know who's, the past, the guy who's the present. Let's, oh, that's a good question. I think let's start with the guys in the present and that would be Trey Lance because, I watch the game and I still have, I'm skeptical, but you see them every day. You see what Trey Lance is capable of doing. You see what he's weak at, what he, what he needs to improve in. Has he really proven to be the better option over Jimmy G? Because again, I haven't seen it and watching the game, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't that impressed. Yeah. I don't think anybody is arguing that uh, Lance right now is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think what people are, are arguing is that, he needs the time in order to become better than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's, it's got to happen with uh, repetitions. And that's what this guy doesn't have going back to college. Um, you know, he, a great way to look at Trey Lance is to kind of compare him, contrast him to Jimmy Garoppolo. And Garoppolo was very accurate, very quick release. Um, he was really good uh, with, uh, you know, short passes, intermediate passes, the crossing routes that are the bread and butter of, uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. And, and so Trey, Trey Lance is really the polar opposite in so many ways. He, he can throw the deep ball, uh, which uh, Jimmy G really didn't ever even attempt. So, you know, the, the whole field is open to Trey Lance. Um, what he's not good at is getting the ball out quickly. He's got a very kind of slow and deliberate release. Um, he's not good on the layups. Um, you know, there were a few, there were at least two, it was supposed to be quick uh, screens to Debo Samuel, allowing Debo to do what Debo does and, and run down the field. And he just missed him. Um, and these were kind of point blank shots. Um, and you didn't really see Jimmy Garoppolo do that. Um, but he also can run. Um, yep. And uh, he did that quite a bit and probably too much uh, against the Bears. 13 carries, 
um, and a lot of kind of lowering his shoulder and trying to plow over the uh, the tackler, um, which is what he did at North Dakota State. Of course, he was going against JMU and Illinois State um, at, uh, at that time. So um, that's uh, I, I just uh, I frankly can't see that being sustainable um, mm. over over time. I mean, you see Kyler Murray, even Justin Fields, who's a big guy, gets down, gets out of bounds, and does the slide, and Trey Lance lowers the shoulder, and I, I just think that that's just uh, asking for trouble. Wait a minute, Matt. So you're saying that James Madison isn't some like NFL factory here? Hold on, man. Don't don't short. Don't. Well, short I can say that Charles, Charles Charles Haley is from James Madison. So uh, the great 49er Charles Haley, uh, Gary Clark, also the guy I grew up watching in Washington D.C. went to uh, JMU. The Dukes. I'm curious because I look at Seattle and how. Everyone has bought into Geno Smith. Everybody loves him, his character. They're rooting for, for Geno. And I look at the Niners, and I know they didn't win their first game, but I imagine everyone's still rallying behind this young player. He's only in his, what, second year? So I would imagine no one's giving up on him yet. But how was his locker room presence with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, the other players on this team? It's good. Um, that's probably his strength. I mean, he's a natural leader. Uh, he's got um, a great, I don't know, uh, demeanor. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but uh, he just sort of exudes confidence. He's very young, but um, he, he just has a way about him that uh, everybody seems to react to. Um, friendly, nice, confident. Um, when he's out there, he doesn't look out of place. I mean, I, I, I remember watching Alex Smith, who was the number one overall pick in 2005. And I always likened it to, um, you know, a baby horse learning to walk for the first time. You know, it's all rickety and it doesn't it doesn't look right. And I I never got that vibe from from Trey Lance. Uh, he came in week five last year, lost that game to the Cardinals, but again looked like he belonged in the NFL. And that's what kind of gives me uh, a sense that okay, it's going to be up and down this year. There's going to be some ugly games. I mean, he completed 46 percent of his passes against the Bears. Um, and uh, not very many people think he's going to hit the 60% mark um, for the full season, which is, which is, you know, bad. You know, you don't, you don't see NFL quarterbacks not hit 60 usually. Um, but I, I, I just believe in him in the long term, and that's what, that's what it's all about. It's about the long term. So you've got this weird thing happening in San Francisco where you've got this ready-to-win-the-Super-Bowl roster um, at 21 spots, uh, offense and defense, the 22nd spot, everybody seems to realize is going to be a work in progress and it happens to be the quarterback spot. Mm. Yes. So that, that is where the Niners are intriguing to me. You know, someone who's like, not like a Niners fan just kind of follows the league at large. They they're doing the thing that I think teams it's really dangerous to do both in the NFL and in the NBA. I don't know so much about how teams do this in baseball, but it's playing for the present and the future at the same time. Uh, it would seem like, and like you said, the Seahawks are somewhat similar in this regard. I don't think they have a championship roster outside of QB, but it's it's pretty decent. But like you said, the Niners do. So, I mean, how I'll put it this way as it pertains to Trey Lance, then it, is there how much patience can they can they afford to have? Can Kyle um, and, and John Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, how much patience can they afford to have um, with a young quarterback when the whole rest of the roster is like, hey, we just made the NFC title game. And we, we would like to advance one game further this year. 
you just hit it. That's the question. And now they've got Jimmy Garoppolo as the backup too. So they're they're sort of um, triple underscoring that um, you know a basic question uh, for the season. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's you know you start out zero and four. I mean they they play the the Seahawks this week. They've got the the Broncos after that in Denver. Then they've got the Rams after that. So it's not. Not out of the realm that uh, you you get off to a, a a wicked start, and I'll tell you what I know the fan base is going to be wondering about it, and um, I got to think that the locker room would as well. Um, you know they think that their defense is good enough, their running game is good enough, and they bolster the the special teams, uh, adding Brian Schneider uh, as their coordinator in the off season, uh, and they think that that's going to be enough to sort of Prop up, prop up isn't the right word, but um, give uh, Trey Lance enough support that they can m- maybe break even over the first um, half of the season and then take off in the second half, which is what they did last year. Um, and um, that was all working to a T in, in Chicago. And then all of a sudden it didn't. Um, and um, Lance couldn't bring him back. And there was a deluge at the time. So there's all sorts of um, excuses and reasons you can you can put forth fact of the matter is he, he missed some throws and he threw um, a, a critical interception at, at a bad time. So, um, I mean, uh, what you just um, underscored is the absolute storyline of the season for the 49ers. Uh, what's going to happen to a Super Bowl ready roster if the, uh, if the number one quarterback um, is, is sort of up and down and inconsistent and costing the team games. It also didn't factor in in that Chicago game the the Dante Pettis revenge there, uh, you know the kind of did you did you get to get that in your nuggets of your story? I didn't get to read. I, I didn't. Yeah, I mentioned him in the story. Um, we got Marquise Goodwin coming up too. That could be That's another right. uh, wide receiver, an ousted wide receiver revenge game uh, for for Marquise. Yeah, I thought uh, this is to- not totally on the 49ers or the Seahawks, but uh, I do one of the debates that I like outside of establish the run or like uh, does the run set up the pass? Running backs don't matter. I do like the debate in sports and whether like momentum is a thing. Uh, and I've, I've kind of decided that I'm on the uh, the side of like in game it exists, but maybe game to game or week to week, maybe not as much. But like seeing Pettis score, I feel like was like a good example of like, I don't know, guys, momentum might be real in game. Because it didn't, it, it, it kind of flipped when on that broken play after that, right? Oh, for sure. It was by far the biggest. I mean, I think the, um, I think Justin Fields had completed three passes before that. And that <laughs> happened late in, yeah. late in the third quarter. They had 72 total yards at that point. And then it, it all, it all changed uh, from that point forth. So, Matt, staying on Trey Lance a little bit, because I do want to ask about the whole Jimmy G dynamic of the offseason, because I do think that was, like, fascinating to kind of observe from afar. Do you think that with Trey Lance and the ups and downs that he's going to have, that he can lead them to where they want to go this year? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that the other uh, facets of um, the team that I just mentioned are are really good, um, and it's going to keep them in games. And I don't think that Trey Lance cost him the game on, on on Sunday. And I think that would be the real reason to give him a hook is if he's just so bad uh, or throws so many picks that, um, you know, he's the reason why they lose. Uh, He wasn't the reason they had 99 um, penalty yards in that game. 
Um, and and the rain and Debo fumbled, uh, you know, on an early drive in the red zone. So there were many, many reasons. Um, he contributed to it, I think, but he wasn't the reason. Um, so I, I think he can for sure. Like I said, I think it's going to be up and down. And, you know, the 49ers are crossing their fingers that Sunday against the Seahawks is going to be up for him. And it's sort of take some of the pressure out of that tire or, or balloon or whatever metaphor you want to use. And then, um, you know, maybe the next week there's a mistake against Denver. And then the next week there's a good play against the Rams, but it gets them kind of through to a point where he's more established and more comfortable. Was the, what was uh, just locally, whether like talk radio, TV fans, what, how, was there a lot of overreaction to how he looked in training camp with the interceptions and stuff that we were all reading about? Um, yes, this is, uh, the, twi the Twitter age. I mean, there's overreactions about anything that's happening. So uh, absolutely. And, and it was all true. And, and it was sort of kind of was, um, was proven in, in, you know, in the preseason and in week one, um, he's not good on short throws. Uh, there are some kind of NFL throws, um, out patterns to the sideline, for example, that you got to make. If you're an NFL quarterback, it's just such a bread and butter throw. And he's not he's not 100 percent on those at all. Uh, it's all over the map. So um, that's 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 an issue. I mean, I think the 49ers really fell in love with the guy who he is, what's on top of his head. I mean, they love the fact that he's six, four and two twenty five, but he's not a great passer. <laughs> and at some point. Uh, and I think they thought, okay, we can we can smooth that out. Uh, the rest of the stuff is is more important. Uh, but at some point, you have to start wondering, wow, they traded all that for a guy who's not good at the one thing a quarterback does, which is throw a football. So, um, I mean, he he's good. He's just not. It's not refined by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, so, I saw it. <laughs> that's a wild caveat. Like, man, I'm not, let's say, yo, like, yo, I got this really nice car for you. Like, yo, it's, it's all painted, stereo system crazy, all, cameras on everywhere you can look, heated seats, TVs in the dash, everything. Like, but it's, it ain't got no engine. But other than that, like, it look, it looks cool. Like, everything about it, but you can't drive it nowhere, though. He, he's a great pilot. He's just not good on um, takeoffs and landings. That's what <laughs> <I'm talking. laughs> oh, man. actually, what was the was the Seahawks game last year? His first extended action that week four game. Yeah, wasn't it? Um, no. Um, he he had come in in, in week one, um, against the against the Lions. They they did something where he would come in for a few plays here and there. But yeah, that was you're right. The first extended action was after. Um, Kerry Hyder hurt um, Jimmy Garoppolo's calf in, in that game and in, in, in Levi's. See, so I want to I want to not spend too much time on Jimmy G because he's obviously not going to play this Sunday. Well, hopefully, hopefully um, he doesn't, you know, Trey doesn't get hurt or anything. Don't wish that on anybody. Um, but from, from experience you've had covering Jimmy G, genuinely, like sincerely, how do you think he's handled uh, all of this? And I'm going to double up on that question and like how how have his teammates handled you know the situation with jimmy i mean uh, as well the teammates have handled it as well as you could um and and i don't know how many other quarterbacks there are in the league that you could have done this with i mean that's one of the reasons why they reworked that contracts they knew that 
he could coexist in this locker room with Trey Lance. I mean, I just talked about Lance's personality. Jimmy has a very kind of accommodating personality as well. Um, you know, he, he wants to be one of the guys. He's one of four brothers, and that's sort of what he grew up in, sort of that atmosphere. I think that that is also a critique of him, um, that he's not – I mean, I don't think Drew Brees would have stood for that. I don't think Russell Wilson would have stood for that. Um, and, and you can go on and on and on. So he's not the, the field general. He's not the locker room general that we come to think of when we think of, like, the stereotypical quarterback. And I think we've, we've seen that at times, um, you know, um, on, on big stages – he has tended to fade away a little bit. So um, I, I think that's both a strength of his and it's a critique. Um, and uh, yeah, so the 49ers are obviously trying to use that as a strength this year and having two um, what they think are starting caliber quarterbacks. I want to give back into the offense because you wrote a piece a few days ago, three days ago, about 49ers spotlight turns to Kyle Shanahan's new right-hand man on the coaching staff. And that's because Mike McDaniels, he's now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and he was a big keystone in the run game and just what the Niners were all about, the physical blocking, the whole, everything about them, right? I'm curious, based off of what you saw in week one, where do they need to improve in the run game heading into this matchup against the Seahawks? I mean, I thought that the run game was was good against the Bears. I mean, the Bears were playing the run, and the field conditions were terrible, and they were still able to run the ball. I mean, they averaged 4.6 yards a carry. They had 37 carries in the game. <laughs> they shouldn't have lost the game. I mean, like I said, those uh, sort of foundational things that I talked about, running game, defense, special teams, those were all good. Um, but uh, they fell behind, and so they couldn't really run the ball in the fourth quarter like they wanted to. It was also a swamp at that point. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I didn't see – a lot of people have reacted, um, you know, is the loss to the Bears a commentary on Mike McDaniel and his absence? I, I, didn't, I didn't think that that was – they were very kind of diverse and, um, you know, lots of different types. They had a triple option, you know, Debo was running the ball. They had a handoff to Brandon Ayuk. So that creativity that Mike McDaniel is known for was there. I mean, he left all those plays that he drew up are still in San Francisco. Um, mm. There are hundreds and hundreds of them, and they took a small chunk to use against the Bears. So um, I don't think that that was – I realize that Mike McDaniel is the toast of the town right now, but I don't think it was a factor in that game. Also, you did mention the running game. Well, I asked about it, but I'm curious. You guys now lose Elijah Mitchell, right? He's going to be out for, what is it, four weeks or so, two months? Eight. Eight, eight weeks. weeks, so two months. So what does that mean for someone like Debo Samuel, who is the last year he's transitioned into this package where he's now a running back, wide receiver. He is ultimately your flex and does everything, right? So what does that mean for him, and how confident are you in the running back room? Who's going to step up? Well, I mean, um, not confident because there's only one guy that's really done it before, and that's Jeff Wilson. Um, and uh, I'm sure Seahawks fans are familiar with him. He's just, um, you know, lunch pail type of guy. I mean, he's not uh, a burner or anything like that, but he runs hard, and the 49ers know that they can rely on him. Um, after that, though, and this is the team that's gone, had to go deep into its running back core. Each of the 
the five seasons that Kyle Shanahan's been head coach, probably similar to what happens in Seattle every year. Um, they've got two rookies, Ty, uh, Ty Davis Price, who played at LSU, his third round pick this year, and then an undrafted guy, Jordan Mason out of Georgia Tech. Uh, and both of those guys are big guys. I mean, the 49ers have gone bigger just about everywhere on offense, um, especially at tailback because they're trying to sort of protect themselves from these injuries that um, they've gotten in previous years and already have right now. Uh, but we really don't know about those guys. Neither of those guys um, took a carry against the Bears. Um, uh, Jordan Mason was really good in the preseason, and uh, he kind of reminds me of one of these Shanahan guys that come out of nowhere. Uh, Olandis Gary, Mike Anderson, Alfred Morris uh, type of guys that nobody knows about on draft day, but all of a sudden uh, ends up uh, carrying the load for the team. So um, I don't know which of those two is going to be the number two guy. Uh, against this, the Seahawks, but um, one of them will be, and that guy's going to get some carries. So um, from a kind of a fantasy football perspective, you know, there's an opportunity for kind of a breakout star to emerge, just given how much Kyle Shanahan likes to run the ball. Um, but to answer your question, I think Debo will get a, a more carries. Um, you know, he's sort of their, their home run hitter at running back, um, especially with Elijah Mitchell out. They don't have that that guy that can kind of turn a, uh, you know, a third and one into a 75 yard touchdown. Debo's the only guy that does that. Um, and he played a lot of running back in Chicago. I think that was, you know, the elements had something to do with that. He was more useful for them as a running back than a wide receiver. Cause there wasn't going to be very much passing in that game. As someone who, uh, you know, no one cares about my fantasy team, but as someone who just traded for Debo about a couple hours ago, uh, that is great. Wow. Who gave up Debo after one week? Jeez. Um, so there's a guy I want in my in, league. I want in on your league. It sounds like there's <laughs> some suckers in there. Well, it's a $150 <laughs> buy-in, so I need to actually get out of this league because I am just oh. donating money to the pot. Um, the last few <laughs> oh, years, he, he overdrafted receivers kind of, so he ended up with, like, Devontae Adams, uh, Debo, Michael Thomas, but then, like, his running back stink. Like, he has, like, Travis Etienne. Okay. Um, and he has Damian Pierce in Houston, which I, who I think is actually going to be a decent running back. Meanwhile, on my end, I kind of just loaded up on backs. I have James Robinson. I have Zeke, David Montgomery, uh, Christian McCaffrey, because I had the second pick. So I, I'm like the inverse of him. So we kind of just needed each other because my receivers see, were Jalen Waddle. And um, I have Jalen Waddle and Gabriel Davis and Christian Kirk. Um, so my receivers aren't great. They're okay. But I was like, I could use Debo. Um, so I actually gave up Zeke and I gave up uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, to go ahead and get Debo back. Um, so we'll see. I'm also going to start Christian Kirk. Like, that's too much of my fantasy team, but I am happy about, about that with Debo. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Debo and running the ball, though, was um, I had kind of heard early on, you know, about Debo not really um, wanting to stay in San Francisco unless there were some, you know, things that happened for him, and then, boom, the trade request comes out a little bit later. Uh, what was your understanding of how Debo genuinely feels about his role as a running back in addition to his role as a receiver? Uh, he, he loves it. I mean, um, it guarantees, I mean, that, that's the whole kind of um, the most vexing thing for a receiver. I mean, they want to have the ball in their hand and uh, it's so dependent on so many things, the quarterback getting them the ball uh, being the primary one, but being a running back, you, you automatically get it. Uh, so I, I think he likes it. Um, and he was having a very good game. He had the fumble. That's, you know, if you look on, 
pro football focus, you'll see that his grade is really low, but um, that was the reason. He had a strong game, good good running, um, everything else, scored a big touchdown, first first touchdown of the game. So I think he likes it. Um, He's built for it. He's good at it. He gives them juice. Uh, and uh, like I said, they're, they're sort of going with uh, a might is right um, attitude this year. And um, he kind of uh, is the one element in that backfield that can really kind of add some electricity to it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com I want to look at offensively again and the George Kittle being out because I thought I didn't know how much Trey Lance struggled with the short throw, so my idea was you know what, George Kittle's going to be the guy he can just dump it off to six-yard out routes, curl routes, just a little those little things. And you were talking about how much he struggled with it. So I'm guessing the game plan didn't really backfire not having George Kittle, although in the run game he is a problem. He, create, he can create lanes. So what was your take on not having George Kittle for that game, and what's the current update moving forward for Kittle? Yeah, no, I think he would have been. I mean, that was a tight end game just because there was so much uh, – um, running the ball and there was a there was a pass uh, early in the game to his replacement Tyler Croft Croft's a good blocker um he does not have George Kittle's speed and uh, Trey Lance just over overshot him by five yards and that was a route that was designed for George Kittle so I, I just wonder whether that was practiced with George Kittle and it would have been a, a TD if it was Kittle running it uh, with Croft uh, it ended up being too long 
Um, I think Kittle is uh, very much up in the air for, for week two as well. I mean, he's got a, a groin strain that they don't want um, to uh, become a, you know, a six-week injury. So uh, it didn't sound like there was any question. Kittle made it sound like he, he might have played um, when we talked to him on Friday that he was, you know, close to playing. Shanahan said, well, really wasn't that close. And on, on Saturday, they decided to hold him out. So I would say it's um, at this stage, 50-50, watch during the week to see whether he practices at all. And if the answer is uh, he didn't, then he's not going to play. Um, but I think that's a, a, a nice mismatch for the 49ers. I, I didn't think that the, C- the Seahawks linebackers looked all that fast yesterday. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner, out of all of those guys over the years that have just killed the 49ers. I mean, to me, he's the one that, that, that did it the most, the biggest thorn in the 49ers side always seemed to have a big pick or pick six or something um, in those games. Um, I I think 49ers fans, the 49ers are going to be really, really happy not to see Bobby Wagner. (laughs) Yeah. No, on the flip side, as Seahawks fans, we're very happy not to see George Kittle. um, Yeah. Right. He is very, very, very good, uh, and that, I that the <laughs> I, he's just very good in general. I do, I yeah. do push back on that Bears 49ers game being a tight end game, unless you have, unless you are a fantasy owner of Cole Komet, like I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Big, big fat juicy donut um, in that game, uh, Matt. What what is what do 49ers reasonably? Uh, I preface reasonably with you know we're talking about fans here. Uh, but what do 49ers fans want from the seat? Like, is this a year where guys legitimately think like? I want my 49ers to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I think they were one pick away. Uh, Joukowsky Tart um, dropping a uh, just a, a basically a punt from Matt Stafford in the championship game from from going to the Super Bowl and playing a team that they beat in the regular season in their house in the Bengals. So I think that they. They feel like if, if Tart brings that ball in, they, they have um, uh, likely a, a Super Bowl title. So um, that's what's so you, you hit on it earlier. I mean, people expect this team to go to the Super Bowl. Um, they're, they're better on defense than they were. They're much better on special teams, I think, than they were. Um, and, and you could uh, kind of shed more light about that and, and what Brian Schneider was was able to bring to Seattle and those um, those early Legion of Boom years, but um, I mean, they they improved on the, their weak points last year. The one spot that they may not have improved is is quarterback, Quarter- and that's the, right. that's that's the, the the gigantic catch to the 2022 season. Before we get on the defense, is there a world where because Jimmy was hurt right by then, um, by the time they got to the playoffs, is there a world where Trey's not there now, but by New Year's Eve, he's potentially as good or better than just what Jimmy was last year in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point because Jimmy was not 100% in the playoffs, and and his stats reflect that. Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, how long does it take you to sort of get those basic throws throws down? I mean, that's what what Shanahan is always harping on. He just doesn't have any reps, this guy. Um, going back to college. I mean, he only played one full season at North Dakota State. Uh, his last season was was uh, limited to one game because of COVID. Uh, so, um, you know, didn't play a lot last year. Uh, this is essentially his rookie season. So I just don't know how long it, it kind of is going to take him to uh, mature. I mean, he saw it 
the, the guy that's brought up a lot is Josh Allen, who mm-hmm. as a rookie was was terrible. Um, not terrible. I mean, he I, I think his completion he was percentage pretty bad. He was pretty bad was back then. percent. <laughs> I mean, you would not think that the Josh Allen you watched as a rookie it would have become the Josh Allen we're seeing light up the league today. So, um, and I'm sure he got the same sort of critiques that, that Trey Lance is getting. Oh, he throws a million miles an hour. The, the little dump-offs are, are, are fastballs, this, that, and the other. And he, he figured it out. And he figured it out fast to me. Yeah. Again, a guy who watched Alex Smith um, early on. Uh, so um, I, I, I think that's absolutely possible. I just don't know um, what it's going to look like in in six months. I was just thinking, it's like, fortunately, the Niners have so many guys who are good with the ball in their hands. If Trey can't throw, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan to figure out how to hand it to Brandon Ayuk, hand it to George Kittle. They're going to be running the goddamn wishbone uh, there by by week eight if Trey ain't figured <laughs> out. Probably scoring 24 be. points a night. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, they did that in Chicago. They, they did a triple option play on, on one of them. It was, uh, it was a throwback. <laughs> I want to spin it to the defense because there was one player that stood out, and he – he was making play after play after play. And I'm like, damn, who is this dude? I ended up having to Google it and find out after hearing his name over and over again on the broadcast. And that is Telenoa Hufunga. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's it. You know, when I was watching him, one player that Im- immediately came to mind when I was watching him, it was Jamal Adams because he was always in the backfield making plays and he was everywhere. He's physical and he makes plays. And I was curious, who is he? Tell us about him. I'm sure you got a, a lot to you, you saw a lot of him probably in training camp in preseason, and then he showed out on in his first pretty much start for the most part with the Niners. So I was curious, just who is he? I know he went to USC, but I don't remember him playing like that. Yeah, no, they they really like him. Um, he was a fifth round pick last year, and, and he got into some games last year. Uh, he is a um, strong safety. I mean, he's he's really good around the line of scrimmage to the point where you almost think, oh, is he more of a linebacker, linebacker. Than, a, than a safety? So that game in Chicago was custom made for him because there wasn't going to be a lot of passing in that game. And he got to hang around the line of scrimmage. He basically played linebacker for a big part of the game. And he's really instinctive. Um, what he lacks is top end speed. So he's not a you know classic free safety. And you wonder what's going to happen in sort of the polar opposite game where they're on turf, the weather conditions are good. They're playing an experienced quarterback. They're playing a team that's got actual starting caliber wide receivers. So um, this game, like I said, was custom made for him. He was fantastic. Um, They, they really like him in San Francisco. They, they, in the draft, they, have something that they call their gold helmet guys. And these are guys that hit every criterion, um, you know, which is um, uh, sort of leadership, intelligence. Um, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things. And only a few guys over the years have gotten it. And he was one, and they got him in the fifth round. So they were really, really bowled over to have gotten him that late in the draft. And he sort of, um, you know, it, it was a bit of a competition to begin the off season. And he, from, from jump, he was the best guy at that spot. 
and um, he didn't really make it a competition at all. He's he's only 22. He's basically the same age as Trey Lance, but he's very mature and um, just uh, just a really terrific guy. You guys let him out of the uh, Pacific Northwest. He's from uh, Corvallis. Oh wow! Um, so uh, I'm not sure how he ended up at USC and not Oregon State, but um, yeah. He, he also trains with Troy Palomalo. Um, that's his mentor. And they've got very similar hair. So I can see a uh, head and shoulders deal in the future if, if he keeps playing the way he did on Sunday. Also, we had you on last year, and we were talking about the defense and D'Amico Ryan's coming in. It was, what, sixth season with the Niners, and I think it would be his second this year as a defensive coordinator. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Have you seen the improvement that you were looking for from last year up to this point? Because I thought the defense looked – I know they're going up against an inferior Chicago team with, you know, the wide receiver group isn't – it's not elite or anything, but I thought for the most part they looked really good. And then that first half, I was like, damn. I know it's bad conditions, but they really, the Chicago Bears cannot move the football. Yeah, I mean, everything was clicking. I mean, that's why I think it was so shocking for them to have lost that game by more than one score – um, you know, I think what Ryan's wanted to do this year was add sort of a, uh, a press coverage element that would go hand in hand with Nick Bosa and the, and the edge rush that they have. They didn't, really didn't have that in previous years. Uh, they went out and they got Charvarius Ward in free agency. That was their only real big free agency pickup, sort of like the Nwusu, uh pickup for, for the, the Seahawks. And um, he's, a press, he's a press corner. He was, he was really good in training camp, lots of picks, um, this, that, and the other. So it's a more aggressive version of the defense that they've run in previous years, I would say. Hey, Matt, from a, I don't know how often you guys have gotten to talk to John uh, Lynn specifically about it or how much Kyle gets asked about it in times that aren't, you know, Seahawks week. But, like, how frustrating has the lopsided nature of the Seahawks rivalry kind of been uh, for those guys, you know, I, there's been some wins, obviously, but it feels like the Seahawks has won some impactful games against the Niners over the years. Like, are these are these guys kind of publicly expressed being frustrated about that or anything? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's more so ownership, which is, you know, makes sense. This is sort of a, a newer group. And I, I really think it was the Harbaugh years that it was just such a, um, a real gut punch. I mean, we, we all knew about the, the Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh feud that went back to, to college and whatnot. But, they, you know, they had a, a window there that the Seahawks basically stole from them and ended, ended their window, shut the window on them. And then the next few years, I mean, it was almost uh, laughable, those games that they would play against the Seahawks. It would be over by the end of the first quarter. And they would get they would just get beat up too. They would have huge, huge numbers of injuries and, and terrible injuries as well. So, I mean, it's just been a massacre for them, um, the, the rivalry, and, and, and not so much in, in recent years, but um, I don't think that John and Kyle are stung by it as much as pr the previous regimes. And I think, you know, uh, Jed York, I mean, he, <laughs> It kind of bears the scars of those uh, those losses uh, as much as anybody. Uh, so look, I want to look at the division in totality because I do think it is um, kind of interesting because I anticipated um, the Rams kind of taking a step back a little bit. For starters, I don't really think 
the Rams were the best team in the, in the league last year. Uh, I feel really confident saying the Chiefs and Bills um, were better. Just they, the best team in the league doesn't win the Super Bowl every year. But, you know, you as you know, Matt, when you play a first-place schedule, the next year after you win um, your division, you know, shit just gets harder for you. Injuries, O-lines are hard to keep together. Defenses are hard to keep together. I don't think anybody knows that better than the Niners, perhaps, who just have guys drop like flies. Uh, then you got the Niners who are loaded everywhere, like you said, except for the most position, important position on the field. Kyler Murray's probably watching Warzone while we record this podcast, or playing Warzone while we record this podcast. Um, so, he's not in his playbook, you mean? Oh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's in the. He's in the playbook uh, right now, boy. There was some. There's been uh, just quick tangent on that. There's been some funny week one things that kind of carry into some offseason narratives. I think last year it was really funny. With um, you guys remember like Aaron Rodgers kind of had his drama last uh, during the draft, um, kind of like, oh, is he going to play here? Blah, blah, blah. And then they go out. They got their boots smoked by somebody week one. I can't remember who it was now off the top of my head. But they lost like 38 to three or something like last year. Maybe it was the Saints. Then they lost to the Saints. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Uh, the week one last year. And then you got Kyler Murray in the war in the video games thing in his in his uh, contract. They go out there and get rolled. <laughs> Yeah. They got rolled. But Matt, I want to ask you, because of all the things that's going on in the division, and of course Seattle just traded Russell Wilson. Um, where, where are you at on the Niners in the division? Like um, how, how do you think they stack up compared to to everyone else? You know, I, I don't have a great answer. I just don't know. I mean, um, th this team can be so many different things. Um, I mean, they were it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in week one. They they looked dominant in the first half. Um, like they were going to, you know, win 20 to nothing in that game. And then in the second half, they couldn't do anything right. So um, I think that, you know, th their, their whole take is that it was all self-inflicted and they're right about that. Um, and that's correctable and they can, they can fix that. But um, I mean, I, I've, I've seen teams just sort of get off to bad starts and never be able to kind of pull out of them. So I don't know where this team's going. I mean, I, I think it's very, very talented. Um, but, you know, it's all pivoting on a um, on an unknown, and that makes it hard to figure out. I mean, I still think it's the Rams division. Um, they still have tons of talent. They know how to win. They've got a good head coach. Um, I, I find him a little annoying, but um, I have to admit that he's a good head coach. So, I mean, I think it's going to be fun. I mean, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals got off to such a bad start that it's really easy just to say, oh, boy, they might uh, end up coming in fourth this year. But week ones are weird, as you just noted. So um, when, when we come back and we do this uh, in, the, in the rematch, I'll have a better answer for you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like what's the what's the weird thing that this division usually has? It's like, uh, how's it go? Pete Carroll can't beat McVeigh. Is it, is it McVeigh that can barely beat Shanahan? Yeah, That's Shanahan cool. usually has the number against uh, McVeigh. It and yeah, Shanahan Except for in the NFC Championship game, right? Because you know because uh, DBs can't catch punts um, sometimes uh, in the biggest game of their life. So you got it's Pete can't beat McVeigh. Shanahan usually beats McVeigh, and that's right. And then Shanahan struggles against Pete. Is that what it is? Is that how it goes? The circle of life. Shanahan struggles against Pete. Shanahan hasn't done very good against the Cardinals either. So, um, mm. it, it's the only the only team that they've kind of beat up on in recent years is the Rams. Ironically, he's struggling with birds, man. <laughs> he's got a bird thing. <laughs> Avian well, that, phobia. That, that that's what also that? makes 
vision so fascinating to me, uh, fascinating to me is that like everyone just no one can really dominate everybody because like after a while you guys, you guys know each other's plays you know how like the, the the what the coordinators are thinking what the quarterbacks like on each thing what a team's gonna do in a two minute drills all of its third downs all of its best red zone plays all of its best two minute plays it really just comes down to like whose quarterback makes it through the game healthy you know who wins the penalties who gets the fumbles you know like I was thinking about this uh, Matt I'm sure you watch, did you watch Seahawks Broncos the other night. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, I was I was rewatching the game uh, this morning, and I was like, "Man, the Seahawks got lucky as hell." There were five fumbles in that game, and the Seahawks recovered four of them. Like, if but, it, but isn't that a Seahawks thing? Isn't that? I mean, you sort of make your own luck sometimes, and um, you get into that that stadium. And uh, my experience watching games there is that the bounces usually go the Seahawks' way. Um, they just, they just have a, a certain, I, I don't want to say luck cause it's not that, but there's a, there's an energy that sort of, um, you know, gets going and it's momentum is what it is. Uh, and, and things work out, uh, for the Seahawks, especially at, what do you call it now? Lumen field. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's always the link. It's always going to be the link to, to us. Yeah, no, they've had – well, the ex- one of the main exceptions, obviously, is, you know, Jacob Hollister not getting in against the Niners in 2019. <laughs> that was that, crazy. That's true. That's true, yeah. yeah. Just like some of the, the losses to the Seahawks have marked some, like, some pivotal uh, – not pivotal. What's the word I want? Like some pivotal. So, nah, it's not – it's the other word that kind of means – like a flashpoint um, almost for the Niners losing to the Seahawks sometimes. I, I sometimes I go back to that 2019 loss, man. Like I was just telling somebody, I was just telling our Broncos writer Nick, you know, because like that division is going to be really close, and it will be like, man, the roll of the dice is just going to decide who, maybe who gets the one seed in that division and who's like the sixth seed on the road or or some shit in the AFC West. And I was telling them like, yeah, 2019 and the NFC West was kind of similar. Jacob Hollister gets in, and what the Seahawks are the one, and the Niners yeah. are the five. Instead, yeah. the Niners are the one go to the champ, the Super Bowl, and then the Seahawks are on the road at Philly and then at the road at Green Bay. It just changes. It can change everything. A guy's knee not getting in or a toe or a review or a spot of the ball on fourth down. Like, it's, this division's really a dogfight. Who do you think is going to win it, Chris? Who you got? Put you on Ooh, the spot. man. Right no, I, th- I, I still think it's the Rams. I think they're the team to beat. I'd be stunned if it's anyone else but the Rams. I know they still have question marks with the receiving core. We saw it on in the big game but on Thursday night last week against the Buffalo Bills but I still think their defense is one of the top defenses in the league and I think they just got to get back to their routine and we didn't see that unfortunately against the Buffalo Bills who were just doing whatever they wanted a lot of miscommunication guys not knowing they're supposed to be they'll fine-tune that I think as the season goes offense probably will get a little better but they, they definitely are missing that wide receiver like OBJ that allows Cooper Cup to just be Cooper Cup and not have to be Cooper Cup and then some. So I still think they're the best team in the division. But we'll see what how it plays out. It really could be the Niners or the Seahawks surprising everyone with the nine wins, nine and eight, when winning division. So it'll be that muddy, I think, maybe. Yeah, this, this season's kind of giving me with the Rams. It's early, but it's kind of giving me 2020 Niners vibes. Like I was looking at the Rams' like injury report after week one. I was like, damn. Y'all already on like your third left tackle or something like that, or you know, they don't have Whitworth, don't have uh, I think Note Bloom or something like that as the other guy. 
he hurt. You know, Jalen Ramsey's giving up goal balls for touch. Jalen Ramsey giving up goal balls for touchdowns like the last three games I've seen him in. <laughs> the, the got cooked by Mike Evans. Jamar Chase was giving him some work. Uh, what did Stephon Diggs just ran by him? Like the, yeah. the Rams kind of look vulnerable a little bit. They do. They do. They're, and they're they're getting up there in age too. That's uh, that's a bad combination. But before what, what we get out of here, you got the Niners or you got the uh, Seahawks? I got the I got the Niners. Um, I, I sort of like the circumstance of uh, the Seahawks playing on Monday, um, short week um, on the road, uh, emotional win. So um, I think it uh, that sort of um, I always think that those dynamics, if you're the if, if the teams are even and uh, one team is coming off a loss, got something to prove, the other team's coming off a win. Might might think that they're a little bit better than they are. I always think that that uh, that favored the team coming off the loss. So uh, close game. I don't think the 49ers are going to have any real blowouts in, in any victories, at least early in the season. Uh, but um, you know they've got a lot of weapons on on offense, and I think um, you know no, no Jamal Adams. Like I said, I, I think that those linebackers um, are not a liability, but uh, not what they used to be, obviously. So there could be some stuff in the middle of the field that the 49ers can exploit. And then, of course, over and under, we haven't done this in a while, but uh, 43 and a half rushing yards for Trey Lance. I know he had, what, nine carries last week for just under 50 yards that were for him specifically. I know he scrambled a few times, but what do you got here? 43 and a half rushing yards over and under for Trey. I'm going to go under uh, only because uh, I think that they have to, you know, um, conserve him. Uh, he just can't. And, and when he runs, he runs hard. He doesn't know how to slide. I mean, and that's not hyperbole. I mean, he literally <laughs> he doesn't slide. <laughs> hasn't hasn't learned how to how to do that. You know, that kind of quickie slide that you know Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray he could pick up some cheap penalty yards by doing that too. But he comes in with a shoulder. And um, I just think that they need to kind of save him from himself and not have so many. They had seven design runs for the quarterback in that game. That's a lot. Um, so I think it'll be under uh, for this game. Yeah, they need to. Uh, how far How far do the uh, San Francisco Giants play from where the, uh, where the Niners play? How far is that? It's far. It's like uh, 45 minutes. But if there's traffic, it's uh, three days to get. get <laughs> <laughs> damn, it's that is the bay that big? It takes that far. It, uh, damn. <laughs> I was gonna say I should call in somebody over there to teach Trey how to how to side, man. It is funny it how would many be great, it would be a great it. sort of uh story, photo op, whatever you there's something that they would have done 20 years ago, but nowadays nobody nobody cares. They just want to get the business and kick us out of the what, building. So. What's what's the line on this game? I haven't looked it up. Eight yet. and a half, San Francisco minus eight and a half. Oh wow, that's higher than I thought it would be. It's really high. Oh, yeah. Okay. Some actually have it at nine, uh, but I, I think the consistent one is eight and a half. Which I'm like, damn! Did they not watch the game? <laughs> yeah, this is, these are the division leaders coming in. <laughs> yeah, hold on. No respect. Well, that that'll get the Seahawks charged up for sure. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, the one I'm looking at actually has the San Francisco Niners at minus ten. Wow. <laughs> yes, I'll take the Seahawks plus ten. <laughs> They yeah, that's not a that's not a bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's oh man. Does yeah, Vegas thing, know something we don't know that you guys know that they have reported on? Is someone out <laughs> for the Seahawks? Maybe it's Gino. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what uh yeah, that was that was something there. I'm I'm missing something. Good thing I don't gamble uh, uh like that anymore, but uh yeah, I take this hammer the Seahawks plus 10. Maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm missing something there. Although I say that and I've kind of talked the, over the course of kind of reading up on the Niners a little bit, obviously watching the game and hearing from Matt just now, I've almost talked myself into the Niners winning the division here. I don't know how I've done that over the course of 45 <laughs> minutes or whatever. I like them. I think I think Trey's I think Trey, once he figures out how to properly compensate for his release time, because uh, I do think it's way too long, uh, but once he figures out how to compensate uh, for that, and I trust Kyle Shanahan, too. I just think that dude just knows how to just design an offense that's going to just take whatever the defense is good at and then just fuck it up. Like, he's just, I feel like I've seen it too many times, man. He's a, he's a, he's a good coach. Trey's got a strong-ass arm, and I like those weapons, man. Good. For George Kittle, Ayuk, and um, and Debo, Debo, that's that's tough, man. That's a tough set of guys who can just. That's how Jimmy G was so good with a. What do he have, uh, Matt? A bad hand or a broken thumb or something like that, and a bad shoulder, and they were still winning playoff games. Yeah, for sure. No, um, he was uh, he was kind of stitched together there at the end, uh, and and they were still winning. You know, no, no Elijah Mitchell though. That's um, that's that's a big deal. They they ran into running back issues early last year. And they went into a, a four-game skid, um, oh. and with with, uh, with Mitchell out, and they were just sort of, you know, really kind of lost in the woods. I mean, that's how important the running game is to this team. Uh, so, uh, if somebody needs to step up at that tailback spot, and uh, Jeff Wilson will get the first crack at it, but um, that's that's a big that's a big deal, and it's something that they were trying to sort of guard themselves against this year, but. Boy, right off the bat, they got a they got a bad one. Yeah, I was full. Injuries in football stink. I was thinking about this when I was rewatching Jamal get hurt. Jamal Adams. Injuries in football stink all the time. But man, the guys who get hurt in week one, that's really gotta sting, man. You go all off season, you hype. You probably don't play in the preseason because you're not trying not to get hurt, especially if you're right. a veteran. You get out there, and then yeah, it's like I'm watching the play. Jamal hurt his knee on. It's like that looks like a routine quarterback hit. Now he might be done for the year. Uh, week one, TJ Watt hurt Elijah. No, I feel bad for the guys who are done or who get hurt week one. That's got to stink. Um, but we got anything else? Anything else, Chris, before we get out of here? Man, well, thank you for hopping on with us. It's been a blast. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And I'll see you guys. I forget what week the, the rematch is, but uh, <laughs> that'll be a fun one. Oh, yeah. I think that's at that. That's not for a while, but I will. Uh, I know I'll see you down uh in the in the bay i'm bringing my rain jacket um just in case like you said 40 i'm wearing a rain jacket now so maybe i'll bring this one 40 there chance. you go yeah bring your seattle gear down with you and we need the rain <laughs> we, haven't had, we haven't had rain all year so uh we, we welcome it down here all right thank you that's matt barrows um does a great job covering the 49ers uh for the athletic make sure you subscribe to oh, well, that's that's a subscribe hopefully you already subscribed for watching this podcast uh but check out all his work uh, on the athletic does great stuff there um thank you guys for listening to this man to man podcast we will check you guys after the game that according to matt the niners will win um so book that write that down um chris make sure we uh put oh. that on loop here uh so until next time guys we're out